Good morning, everyone. Everyone well? Lots of uh, friendly faces and others I haven't seen for a while. Great to see you, Philip. And I don't know if your wife has run away already. Is she? <laughs> She's out. And uh, Hugh, welcome back from the UK. Um, talking about the UK, we've got um, my two nieces and nephew with us. Uh, I won't embarrass them. In fact, I will embarrass them because that's just what uncles do. Uh, if you want to stand up one second, very quickly, they're going to kill me later on. Here we go. So we've got Emma, we have Sonia, and we have Yasha here with us. Um, and they're with us for four weeks. Thanks, guys. You can kill me later on. Um, so we have four teenagers and Savannah, who's pretty much a teenager, to be honest, uh, under our roof. I, I wasn't quite sure if I'd survive. Um, but it's actually, it's quite wonderful. I really enjoy teenage uh, years. I don't know about you, but my, my friends who raise teenagers, I, I always say, oh my gosh, you know, you just can't resonate with them. They're, they're all over the place emotionally. Um, but that's just not true. These guys uh, are legendary. So we've had lots of fun. We were in Ginger last week. Uh, we're taking them to Murchison next week. Uh, and then I think we're bankrupted. That's the end of our money. And um, uh, back to work after that. Anyway, it's great to be with you guys. As you know, we're, we're continuing on Acts, which, uh, as Monica said, is just full of so much. You know? And even this morning, I haven't got a chance to really unpack uh, chapters 18 and 19. We're going to be focusing on one particular part of Acts. But suffice to say, I uh, really encourage you guys to, to read through that, the, the book. It's one of my favorite of the Bible. It's just an exciting history of what God uh, was doing in the early church, laying the foundations that went on to change an entire empire and in fact, change the whole world uh, as, we, as we so know. So just as a quick reminder, if you remember uh, last week, Alice did a great job talking about uh, guidance, how, how we're listening from God and guidance from God. He talks about wo- women and families. And then he, he spoke about um, the unknown God, speaking to the Ephesians, uh, Ephesians who had a, uh, a monument up uh, saying to the unknown God. And Paul uh, preached into that uh, really powerfully. Before I start... Uh, I particularly uh, want to just uh, honor a uh, woman th- this morning. I was, I'm going to be talking about the, the gift of prophecy, the prophetic, and unpacking that a bit. Uh, you guys are going to get a chance to do that yourselves. Don't panic. It won't be scary. Um, but as I was preparing, uh, there were two things on my mind. And one was women in the church and women in the world. Uh, and the other was around prophecy itself. So... Um, I'm going to read this over you, ladies, um, and this is from Chris Vallotton. It's a great book, uh, which he, he wrote about empowering women. And then I just want us to just get the women to stand and just do a 30-second just power prayer over them, just to encourage them, okay? Because I think women, so often I've found in church, both in the West and in Africa and Asia and the rest, uh, can become second-class citizens. Uh, and I, I think the devil hates women. He hates men as well, but he hates women. You know, they, they, they give birth to man. And uh, I, I think it's no accident that Satan really went after Eve in the Garden of Eden. But let's encourage you. I don't want to discourage. Let's encourage you. This is the introduction from Chris Vallison's book uh, about empowering women. He says, I wrote this book because I wanted to incite a revolution that empowers the woman I love so dearly. I have an amazing wife, two daughters, a daughter-in-law, and three granddaughters, not to mention thousands of other spiritual daughters who wake up every day to a world of discrimination simply because of their sex. The most troubling aspect of this oppression is that the Church of Jesus Christ is often found leading it. Somehow, many believers have developed a theology that proactively uses the Bible to disqualify women 
from the most formidable leadership roles, especially in the church. I'm appalled by the number of Christian leaders who are convinced that women are not as qualified, not as called, or not as gifted to lead men as men are. I want to prove to you throughout the pages of this book that this disempowering thesis is not only illogical, it is also completely unscriptural. Let me give you just a little foretaste of some of the truths that will unfold in the following chapters. Were you aware that men commit more than 80% of all crimes in the world? In America alone, 92% of prisoners are men, while women uh, commit only four hundredths of a percent, 0.04% of all violent crimes. Men are also responsible for starting most of the wars, thanks Putin, committing the worst atrocities ever chronicled and inciting nearly every genocide in the history of the planet. It was Hitler who slaughtered the Jews, men who massacred the Native Americans, and men who enslaved the African American. Men account for the most of the rapes, serial killings, thefts, and even white-collar crimes. And it was men who put Jesus on the cross. Not a single female was involved in the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, Pilate's wife tried to talk her husband out of crucifying Jesus Christ. Now, do not get me wrong, I'm not saying that women are innocent of sins or are somehow inherently righteous. I'm simply pointing out the fact that if the devil's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, then men are at least five times more likely to help him fulfill his devious mission. Furthermore, while ten apostles huddled up in a house trying to save themselves, it was three women and John who stayed at the cross to comfort Jesus Christ in the dark night of his soul. Although Jesus, Jesus had been telling his disciples for months that he would be crucified and would rise on the third day, it was only the two women who visited the tomb to check out the story. When the woman found the tomb empty and counted excited angels, they ran back to the village to tell the hiding world changes that the stone was rolled away and Jesus Christ was gone. Yet only Peter and John even bothered to see if this was any truth to their story, while the rest of the apostles refused to believe. It was Mary Magdalene who first encountered the, the risen Christ, and she was the only person who touched Jesus before his ascension. It was Christ who instructed her to go and tell his disciples that he had risen. Now, I'm not opening a big theological debate about female elders, male elders in leadership and the rest of it, but I do want to honor women because we need to do that and we need to do that often. Okay, so I make no apology for that. So if you are a woman, please stand up. All right. Okay, men, here's our chance to honor. Put your hand out towards the nearest woman near to you. Who knows, it could be a future wife if you're both single. Let's encourage them. Uh, Father God, we just thank you for the women in our midst. We thank you for the gift they are to us as a church. We thank you for the gift they are to us as families. Thank you uh, for all the gifts that you've given them, Father. And we pray that there's not a single woman here who doesn't walk into the destiny and the future that you have over their lives. We rebuke any negative thing that's ever been said over them simply because of their sex, that somehow they're second-class citizens and have nothing to contribute both in church and in life. And we honor them in our midst, Father God, and we pray that you raise life changes, world changes, Father God. And we thank you for each and every one of them, every unique individual in this midst. And we pray bring them healing and strength and courage, a future and destiny in your precious name. Amen. Let's honor them. Okay. I wasn't feeling that on the way to church. My wife was criticizing me all the way down the hill. But when I reflected on everything she said, I was like, it's all true. <laughs> uh, if we're ever married, your spouse would always be the, the best mirror for your life. And uh, it's quite frightening what they reveal about yourself. 
so often. Okay, right, so we're carrying on at Acts 18 and 19. I'm just going to do a quick overview, and then um, we're going to dive in on a particular part. Okay, so we jump to the next one. Okay, so Paul is now uh, entering into his third missionary uh, trip, uh, and he's busy as he ever is, okay? He's covering a lot of ground. And you can see here on the right, starting in Antioch and then moving his way northwest uh, across Lycia, Asia, into uh, nowadays Greece. If we jump to the next one, uh, lots happening in these two chapters, okay? Um, Paul is, first of all, uh, from Athens, goes into Corinth, uh, he returns to Antioch. He, 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 we then have a, a, a part of scripture talking about Apollos, uh, who speaks boldly in Ephesus. And then we have Paul in Ephesus. We have the sons of Sceva. If you remember those guys being chased away by the demonic. And just to finish, just for a bit of Hollywood style, we have a riot at Ephesus. Nothing's boring when the kingdom of God is being preached and when Paul or Peter and his other disciples are involved. Okay, if we jump, jump on quickly... Um, we're going to be focusing particularly on Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 8. So you're welcome to turn to that. While we do that, um, I just want to cover a couple of quick things from those two chapters for you to go back and have a look over for yourself. Uh, what Paul often did when he moved into these major cities, and he really did focus this ministry in the major cities, and his disciples would then often go out to the smaller settlements around those cities, okay? Because that's what changes nations, all right? And um, he first of all always starts in the synagogue, okay? So he goes in and he talks about Jesus Christ using Old Testament scripture pointing to who Jesus was. And often he then gets chased out of the synagogue. Um, he's often shaking the dust off his feet, rebuking them, and then he turns to the Gentiles. It's no different here um, in chapters 18 and 19. All right, however, he always perseveres. And God is a God who encourages us uh, especially uh, just before something big happens. And here in chapter 18, 10, uh, God speaks to him directly. And in a vision, God says, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. All right, so having gone to the synagogue, he then, after this word, stays another year and six months, like one and a half years, which for Paul is a very long time to stay in one place, all right? Um, and it's not boring. Uh, he, he, he's changing and turning uh, the city upside down. Uh, and eventually what then happens, uh, he, gets, he has such an impact on that city that the Jews drag him uh, before the proconsul. Um, and uh, the proconsul then refuses to judge him and they drive him out. And the very person who's charged, charged the synagogue is then beaten himself. Um, so I, I'm just always amazed. I think what amazes me with God is how sometimes he dramatically intervenes and does dramatic stuff. Yeah? And other times he doesn't quite intervene in the way that I think he should or would. And there's a bit of mystery in that. And I, I can't, I've got no magic bullet for you this morning in trying to understand or help you understand the circumstances that you're facing right now in your lives. As we often say from the front, God is a God who promises us peace beyond understanding. Yet whenever we turn to scripture, whether it be Acts or Matthew or wherever it is, okay, we're trying to make sense of it all. Say, God, well, where's the pattern? What's the formula? Does, does Jesus go up the mountain five times or eight times? And Jesus intentionally is unpredictable because he doesn't want formulas to have a relationship with you. I, in my marriage, I don't want a formula in the way that Beth and I are always going to talk to each other, okay? 
It's a living, breathing relationship. All right? So you can't find patterns and the rest. Don't stop doing that. Okay? God wants to have an authentic relationship with you. And the way he relates to you uh, will be, the way he relates to Beth, for example, is very different to the way that God uh, relates to me. Okay? You are unique. There's no one else in the world like you. You are very special. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are unique and you are very special. Now say it again, but mean it. You are unique and very special. <laughs> okay, as well as Paul, and I think sometimes in Acts we, we look at Paul and Peter uh, as it sort of focuses on those too many. Um, there are other characters at play who are doing amazing things. Apollos is one of those. Okay, and um, we read here in these chapters how he speaks very boldly in Ephesus. Uh, and there's two other characters, Priscilla and Aquila, and they hear him in Acts 18.26, just briefly, it says, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. What's happening here, just give you context in this particular scripture, is Apollos has been baptized in John, by John, okay, in, in, in the ministry of John, okay, of repentance, but he hasn't been baptized by the Holy Spirit yet. All right, so they, they pull him aside and they unpack that for him and God then goes on and Paulus goes elsewhere and is used very powerfully by God. What's the point I'm trying to make here? The point here, you all have a part to play. Okay, don't just try and look, oh, well, they're the leaders of KICL. It's their job to do that. They're the ones that are doing this. So I've got no part to play. You all have a unique ministry in your lives. Okay, we're all in full-time ministry. I hate this whole thing of, I'm a full-time minister. Okay, I'm in ministry full time. I get supported by Bogner Regis in England, and I'm out on ministry. It's like, no, you're in the workplace, you're in ministry. If you sweep the streets, you're in ministry. If you're a taxi driver, you're in the ministry. If you're a boater by the driver, God bless you, you have more faith than me. You're in the ministry, okay? That's where I see God on the move. That's where I see the miracles. That's where I see lives changed. That's where I see nations changed, all right? I honor ministry. There is a place for that. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? But let's get away from this whole, they're in the ministry. I'm not. You are all in the ministry. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are in the ministry. And you don't need a dog's collar. But you're welcome to get one if you like. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, just jumping down. Just time. I've got a lot I want to cover. So, I, I want to particularly uh, zoom in and focus on Acts 19, 1 to 9. All right. Uh, Please do go back over the rest of chapters 18 and 19. There's lots else going on apart from just Apollos, uh, and Paul is speaking to a lot of other important things. All right? But in here, I particularly felt the Holy Spirit lead me to unpack this this morning. So let's read this together. Acts 19, 1 to 9. Paul in Ephesus. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that it, there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Now let me reference John's baptism quickly. In Matthew 3.11 it says this. This is John baptizing people in the water. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, so, and Paul said to them, verse 4, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. 
There were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue for three months, spoke boldly, reasoning, persuading them about the kingdom of God. Okay, a lot going on in here. Okay, so he's, he's unpacking for them. Okay, it's not just about repentance. There's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we've preached much into this the last few weeks. We had um, just two, three weeks ago, we are talking about the gift of tongues. Um, and many of us uh, were then speaking in tongues after the service. Um, what I love about this passage is it just seems so straightforward. I think we make such a big issue of this. Like, I become a Christian, and then years later, suddenly I learn about the Holy Spirit, um, and I learn about uh, prophecy and all these various things. But with God, it's very simple. And the best thing is that when someone comes to Christ, that you pray for the, them to be baptized in the Spirit at the same time. It's not this big divide that becomes ever so complicated for us all. All right, so this morning, um, I particularly want to talk about prophecy. I want to unpa- unpack prophecy, uh, and I want to s- just really underline for you God encourages us all in the gift of the prophetic, in um, giving and receiving prophetic words, all right? And it's not some big scary thing, some big preacher uh, up on a high idol giving amazing words, okay? Those are good, okay? But it's just day-to-day life. And Beth and I have been fortunate in the church, churches we've been involved in that at a young age, people invested in us. When we left for Africa for the first time in 2012, we literally left with about 45 different prophetic words. I still have them in my book, and they have encouraged us, and many of them have come ever so true. And in our darkest nights, we turn to them, and they give us courage, okay? Because the prophetic, the gift of prophecy is to encourage one another, okay? I'm tired of condemnation and judgment and all these various things. And the other thing that really annoys me about this topic is when a man comes up to a woman and says, the Lord has told me to marry you. I say to all women, and I say to you if you're single, you say, well, that's good for you. When God tells me the same thing, I will agree. But until then, you can remain single. Okay? That's my response to that one. But let me just unpack. What is prophecy? And this is a great book, okay, a book that's worth writing down. You May All Prophesy by Steve Thompson. Really practical, really down to earth. And he starts with this. What is prophecy? It says this. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, gives a simple definition of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Prophesying is speaking in order to strengthen, encourage, and comfort others. However, prophecy is not just speaking human encouragement, it is speaking divine encouragement. In simple terms, prophecy is hearing from God and speaking what you hear in order to build, comfort, or encourage someone. Let me say that again. In simple terms, prophecy is hearing from God and speaking what you hear in order to build, comfort, or encourage someone. To prophesy is to hear from God and speak to men and women. To prophesy is to hear from God and speak to men and women. As simple as that. I should probably just stop there, but I'm going to carry on. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Okay. So my prayer this morning, as we sort of unpack this over the next 20 minutes, is that you learn something new about it, that you step out a little bit further in it, okay, And above all, as a church, in the coming months and years, it just becomes a natural part of church life. It's not someone coming up here necessarily, giving very specific prophetic words, but it's literally like you, you know, Hugh turning to Alice saying, hey, Alistair, during worship, I was just really reminded of Psalm 139. I just want to encourage you in this. And it could be as simple as that. And that would be encouraging for Alistair. Okay, so it's just a natural thing. And whether it's in church or in your home lives, wherever it is. Okay? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. 
I'm glad Monica's excited. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Um, so, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, if I have the gift but not love, I am nothing. So here's a critical point on this, okay? The Bible tells us to, um, to push into the prophecy, okay? And to, 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 to live and breathe it. But at the same time, it gives a very important warning, okay? Do not forget love. Love is more important than the prophetic. When you stand before God one day, he's not going to do it, oh, I love it, in 2026, um, Patrick, when you gave that prophetic word to uh, Alistair. It was, it was incredible. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, Patrick, how did you love your wife? How did you love your people of KIC? How, KICL, how did you love the people in the workplace? God's going to hold us accountable on how we love others. So let me just put that up there, high and center, all right? Because it's absolutely foundational and critical. All right? Just turn to the next one. Now, I'm not going to judge Shepard, uh, Shepard, Shepard Bashiri here, okay? I just went on the internet. I just thought, let me just have a look at some of the big preachers in the world, all right? Um, and this is one article. It could be untrue, but I want to make a point. There's a danger in any part of the world, but particularly I've noticed in Africa, and I've lived in about 10 countries across this continent, and I've visited about 20, I have noticed that there's a real love for putting the individual up on a pedestal. And there's a real risk in that, okay? I want to put one side. God does use these people, okay? And many of them are very anointed, and they do change not only cities, but nations, all right? So they have a place. I want to honor that, okay? But be very careful to not put man or woman up on a pedestal, because they will let you down. They will always let you down. They will always fail. I let my wife down every day, sometimes every hour if I'm not doing very well, okay? We always will let people down. And if you put them up there, it will hurt you. And in recent years, Beth's often spoken to me about this over the last year, okay? There's been some really big names out there that have fallen, okay? You can think of worship leaders and Hillsong, all right? You can think uh, of what happened uh, in the States with Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. Lots of things are gone, okay? You will be hurt and you will be let down. The only person you put up there is Jesus Christ. Amen. He will never let you down. Yes. All right? And I think as we look at this, the reason I've got there is I want us to get away from looking for these big names, but just focusing in on your own life and looking in the mirror and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. What have you asked me? What's my mission? What am I called to? And in regards to prophecy, how are you going to speak to me? Because it's different for everyone. Okay, in a few minutes, Beth's going to share a bit about dreams. The way God speaks to Beth prophetically is very different to the way God speaks to me. Okay, and for each of you, it will be very unique. So the first thing's first, all right? Put Jesus Christ up there on the pedestal, all right? And get your father heart issues sorted. I know you get tired of me hearing this, okay? But you are valuable right now as you sit there in your seat. Yeah, you know where I'm going, okay? You woke up this morning, God looked down at you and said... Um, Yasha, you are, your haircut's amazing. You're awesome. I love you very dearly. He's going to get on me later on, okay? Um, he said to Harriet, I'm so excited with you as well about your daughter and what's, what she's going to do in America. But separate from all that, okay, I value you and I love you, Harriet, as an individual. There's nothing you could ever do that changes my love for your life. And God is saying that to every single one of you, okay? And if you can get that, if I can get that into my dumb skull sometimes, all right? and into my heart, more importantly. The way I do life is so different. 
I'm not waking up and having breakfast and thinking, I need my wife to encourage me before I go to work today. I'm encouraged already. Rather, I approach breakfast and think, wow, how can I encourage my wife? How can I give rather than how can I receive? All right? And the people that get this sorted out and live a life like this make such a difference. And in regards to the prophetic, it can be so abused. If you don't have your father heart issue sorted out, okay, you will become very damaging. As I often say, hurt people hurt people. Yeah? So make sure your heart is right. And whenever you're moving into the prophecy, make sure that the motivation behind what you're saying, okay, is from a good place. You're there to encourage them. You're there to call destiny out of that individual. Make sense? I hope so. Okay. All right. So how does God speak? All right. I think above all, it's out of relationship. All right. So God will speak to you in a way that you understand because he knows you. The way he speaks to one person may be very different to the way he speaks to another. We are all unique and we all have unique relationships with God. All right. What is crucial is we, we understand uh, that when you, the way that Beth hears from God, okay, is, is very different to the way that I can hear from God. Not to say sometimes we hear the same thing. God has done that before as well, all right? But it's completely and utterly unique. All right. Um, so what are the ways that God speaks to us? There's a guy called Lloyd Phillips, all right? And he lists 12 ways that we can hear from God. I think he misses one really important one. Let's just jump on Okay, so here he is, handsome chap, isn't he? Okay. Um, and uh, I'm just going to unpack these very quickly. All right. And then at the end of it all, we're going to have a go at encouraging each other. Okay, don't panic too much. All right, that's a bit later on. Okay, so first of all, um, we can have impressions and we can have burdens. All right. Uh, and uh, the Bible speaks of the process of growing our awareness of God's word and sometimes occurs over a period of time even months. For example, in Zechariah 1, uh, Habakkuk 1, it describes a burden or load of God. It speaks of the Lord allowing the prophet there, being allowed to feel something of how God feels. All right? When we lived in Zimbabwe, one of the things that really uh, burdened Beth and me was the break of relationship between black and white. Uh, Zimbabwe, Rhodesia as it was, has a very complex history. All right? I was born there in 1977. I was born into a civil war. All right, and sadly, in some ways, that civil war continues very subtly under the surface. And for my fellow Zimbabwe friends and family, they don't often see it, but we noticed very quickly, whenever we went somewhere, it was either a black social engagement or it was a white one. And sometimes we would be the tokenistic representation of the white. Okay? So Beth went to her first braai, as they call it, barbecue, and she was the only white person out of about 50 people there. And she came home and said, honey, it was really weird. I was the only white person here. We're going to restaurants all across Harare, okay? And now there'd be a black table or a white table. And God just started putting this more and more heavily on my heart through the four years we were there. And in the end, I, I did what I could in the sense of just speaking because I was part of the leadership team. I, I spoke to the leaders of New Frontiers I was part of and said, look, guys, just coming in fresh. You know, I, I did what I felt called to it. So that was a burden. That was a heavy thing, okay? It was quite obvious in the visual. We could see it. But in my spirit, God said, this is very wrong, and this needs to be sorted out. Okay? And they are, there, there are some great examples of where God is changing that. Okay? I love Uganda. I don't sense you have this here. I do get a bit tired of being called Mzungu wherever I walk. Okay? Whenever I get out of my car, it's Mzungu, Mzungu, Mzungu. But I know it's not a, a, a derogatory term, okay? and I've just got used to it. 
But thankfully, there isn't that bitter history of colonialism and the complexity of that, okay? But that's just a simple example of God burdening. And for you, you might look at orphans in, all, in Uganda and elsewhere, okay? And that, that's, that's, that's just, there's almost like a prophetic, there's a, there's a burden on your heart. What I encourage you to do is, what are you going to do about it? So you say, okay, God, I really sense this in my spirit. I feel this heavy burden for this particular thing. Does that make sense? Then ask God, what would you like me to do about it? And it starts probably just with the individual, with the one person in front of you. What difference can you make to them? Okay, and then see what God does. Right, let's jump on. The next one is a knowing or a witness. In Romans 9.1, it says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Um, I think the critical thing here really is, is the Holy Spirit lives in you, all right? And for me, this is just the bellwether of life. In my spirit, if something doesn't quite right, okay, I, I sense a conviction, yeah? It's, it, it's, it's, it's the plumb line, as they say when they're making bricks in the UK, all right? It's, it's where I turn to, I think, okay, is this right, is this wrong? In my spirit, it will always tell me, okay? There'll be that sense of inner conviction. And so... Um, in Romans 9, it says, you know, I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. So we have this inner witness. It's called Christ in you. It's the mind of Christ that tells us what we ought to not to do. So in the very basic sense, okay, just day-to-day life, you think, well, I don't know how to hear from God. You do. You all have a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. Turn to the person next to you and say to you, you have a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, guys. Say everyone. Okay. Say to them, you can hear from God. Say to them, you have heard from God and say, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> okay, no pressure. Let's jump on. Um, okay, we can feel things, all right? Um, sometimes uh, we can receive things in the emotions of our soul and our bodies. Um, so an example here, I was in South Africa a number of years doing ministry. Uh, it was quite, it's one of the first times I sort of moved into the prophetic. I had a friend who I was visiting. Beth and I were considering moving to Durban, South Africa. On the way to this big conference, he turns to me in the car and says, oh, Rory, you come from the King's Arms. Prophetic is everywhere, isn't it? Uh, do you want to come up the front and do some prophecy with me? My eyes are like, you've got to be kidding me. Anyway, long story short, um, from the moment I walked into the church, there was one lady at the front in worship. And I, I, could, I could just, uh, in my feeling, I just felt depressed and sad, which, if you know me well, I'm generally quite an optimistic person, okay? My wife says unrealistic, but generally I'm quite optimistic. And I just knew it wasn't me, and the whole service, I was drawn to her. So at the end, I had a chance to pray with her, and sure enough, there were, there were some, some terrible things that happened to her. Depression was all over her. I could, just, I could just feel it the moment that I saw it. So sometimes, if you're walking along, and your emotions suddenly change out of the normal, don't just think, oh gosh, I just think I'm just getting a bit depressed today. Ask God, God, what's that about? It's, it's what's happening, and be open, listen, hear what's going on in that environment, okay, as you walk into that home, as you have dinner with those friends, as you walk into the supermarket, okay, always listen to God, he's always speaking, we're just hardly ever hearing, and that sudden change of emotion often is God just wants to, wants to say something in that particular situation, does that make sense, yeah, so ask him, and, and um, I'm sure in the weeks and months ahead, there'll be some interesting testimonies on the back of that. Okay, um, next one, visions and pictures. All right. Um, so here, we hear about Jeremiah, all right, and this is an example of the Old Testament. It says, The Lord showed me, and behold, baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. I won't, time-wise, I won't read through the whole event, all right? But sometimes, it's just a very obvious vision or picture, and God uses it often with the prophets in the Old Testament. He often uses it today. 
uh, in Christians' lives as well. This is the one way that God um, often speaks to me. Um, I'll, I would just I'll see something over someone's life. Okay, sometimes I might see like uh, dollar U.S. dollar symbols above someone's head, not like literally right there, but I just get the impression of it. Okay, and I say, well, God, what that's, what's that about? And don't jump to conclusions. I don't think, oh, I see it over Alistair. He's involved in corruption. I need to challenge him one to one. Okay, um, it could be, and I've had this with friends before. Someone has been corrupt in the workplace, and God wants to reveal it to that person. Okay, because they're a business owner. Does that make sense? All right. So don't jump to conclusions. But sometimes God will give very specific pictures. Sometimes even just something, something someone is wearing it, wearing something. Okay. Um, uh, so as we're prophesying, as we're talking about and praying for university. Okay, I'm very drawn. Uh, to, those, uh, to her Nike shoes. I'll talk to her after the service. I'm not going to put her up now, okay? And I'm thinking, okay, well, God, what that's, what's that about? And then God says, well, what's the, what's the mission of Nike? What's their strap line? Oh, just do it. Oh, there's something in that. Does that make sense? Start this conversation with God. So there's a, sometimes it's a visual thing, physical. You can see it. Okay, sometimes it's just over someone's life. All right, uh, let's jump on. Okay, supernatural senses. Sometimes God will just amplify just your natural senses, okay? Either smell, hearing, the rest of it. Uh, there's, uh, I don't know about you, but over the years, I've often come across demonic things, all right? I don't go looking for it, but sometimes it just manifests itself. Often before that happens, uh, a number of friends that I do, I've done ministry with over the years, they'll smell things just like rotten eggs. It's just not quite right, okay? So sometimes God might use that. So don't just think something's gone off in your fridge. <laughs> Something else could be going on, okay? So God can use uh, senses and amplify it to, to warn us, uh, encourage us, all sorts of things, all right? Dreams. Um, we had a dream before we came to Uganda, and I'm going to get Beth up for one minute just to share quickly uh, what happened uh, with her, because God has given her many dreams over the years. So you get a break from my voice. Turn to the person next to you and go, thank goodness. She speaks more slowly than Rory. I'm just going to put that on. Okay, is that good? <laughs> okay, so just, well, just a bit before the dream for Uganda. Yeah, I think I've been aware for maybe the last 10 or 12 years or so, God speaking to me through my dreams in, at night. And it's not hugely often, I'm saying in that period of time, I can probably think of maybe six to eight significant ones. Um, and just to take you a little bit through so the background of that, I think it's with these dreams, I've, I've, as I've matured over the years, it's like I know God's speaking to me because when I wake up either in the night or in the morning, it's just very vivid. It's different from other dreams. It, it, there's a clarity to it. There's a knowing, like Rory mentioned, there's just a sense that it's God. Um, there's a, a vivid memory of what the dream, you know, details of the dream. So usually what I would do is I would journal the, it down, journal everything, and then just over the next day and few days and weeks, I would just be mulling it over, praying it over, asking God, um, like, like Rory said, with, with the other ways God speaks, just asking him what, what it is that he's wanting to tell me. Um, and then the dreams that I've had usually kind of fall into two different categories. They're often either for other people. So someone in that category, it's like someone usually that I have not seen in a long time is in the dream. So sometimes in the day you might know God drops a person in your head and you might stop and think, oh, I don't usually think of that person. You know, is God speaking to me? Should I ring them up? Should I message them? See how they are? Encourage them? That's what I would encourage you to in the day if you think of someone. 
But now in the night, he would, I would dream of someone who, like, usually they've been from our home church in the UK, and so I have not been in or around or speaking to that person for sometimes years, you know. And so in that case, I would take the time to be praying over, you know, um, and then I usually have messaged that person and just said, hey, and it's often someone who's been receptive to this, you know, hey, I think I've had a God dream, you were in it, this is, this is, and just factual, be factual, this is what, what the dream was, and then I usually leave it at that, and sometimes they might get back to me and say, hey, has God given you what he thinks it's about? Sometimes that's happened, or other times they've just said, oh, hey, thanks, and then written back to me later and said, oh, hey, that was really encouraging. You know, oh, I had a big decision to make about my job, one person had said, um, one friend of mine, and, and it was just encouraging in her journey with this job. Okay, so going to the other category of dreams I've had, it's more personal, it's either for me or for our family. Um, and so in the context that Rory wanted to share, we were living in Ukraine for two years between Zimbabwe and moving here. Um, and at the sort of towards the end of the two years, we were, we were ready to move on, ready to come back to Africa. And so Rory was applying for jobs. And we were kind of in this limbo period of, you know, not knowing if we were going to move, where we might move. And he'd sort of reached out to a few different jobs. And I, over a period of kind of a week or two, um, I would wake up and say, oh, Rory, this is really strange. I keep drinking about, dreaming about pearls, like pearl necklaces, pearls, you know. And, and it was just kind of a bit of a conundrum, and I'd journal about it and draw pictures of pearls and what. And we kind of just were coming to the conclusion over the, that short period, like, oh, you know, maybe it's just God speaking about our journey. He's refining us, you know, like he does a pearl. Or, you know, like, you know, pearl, there's that saying, um, what is it, uh, life, Oyster, what's that saying about the world is your oyster? Yeah, yeah. I think that came to mind too. Like, oh, you know, we're looking to move out, journey. This thing of like, oh, the world is your oyster also came to mind. Anyway, um, so Rory applies for this job here at ISU, and um, we'd not been thinking about Uganda at the time. Um, he applied for this job, very exciting. We, one thing or another, he comes to accept the job. And so then, as we're, well, in that period of him accepting the job, we're researching Uganda, speaking to people that we knew who had lived here, reading things on the internet. Okay, so of course I come across Pearl of Africa. And I never knew before this that Uganda was called the, called the Pearl of Africa. So it's just like a light had switched on. And it, for us, it was just that I'd had these dreams before we even thought of Uganda or this job or him accepting. It just felt like it was a way that God was speaking to us as a family to just affirm you know, that he was in it before we were humanly looking at the possibility. And just that it was a confirmation, wasn't it? And it gave us confidence and courage to step out. So, yeah, that's all. And we often refer to it. It's just nice as a family. We can say, oh, remember the Pearl Dream? Or, you know, so it's nice. That's great. <laughs> I'd love to pray into that. I just sense that, that God has been speaking to a number of you through dreams. And I want to just pray for an increase in that. A gift in the end. Thanks, Beth. Okay, I'll be a bit quicker. I'm just doing some headline stuff. So we'll jump through. Okay, then you have open visions, all right? I haven't come across uh, many people that have had this, uh, never personally, but this is where the eyes are open and one sees spiritual things as they appear normal to the natural eye. Okay, it's possible for the open vision to be so real to eyes that it's only later understood uh, that it was an open vision. Uh, the best example I can think in, in New Testament is Peter in Acts 12. 
uh, where it says, as he was released from prison, uh, then Peter came to himself. Okay, so he, he's, he, he's, he can see what's happening. He doesn't think it's real, but in fact, he's actually been broken out of prison. All right, then um, jumping on to trances. Uh, the, the, this manifesto, manif- manifestation is distinct from visions because in a vision, one is still aware of one's surroundings. Okay, in a trance, one's surroundings are blotted out temporarily. Okay, unless God wants them to be observed. This uh, uh, happens uh, to Peter in Acts 10. Okay, so we shouldn't discount it. If you remember, it's about, uh, about noon the following day. As, as the journey, Peter goes up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and the meal was being prepared. He fell into a trance. All right, and this is where the, the blanket comes down, and it's, it's the mixed meat, and he thinks he shouldn't have it. It's speaking about the ministry moving out to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. So I think often if God wants to speak something very big and very defining, he'll do something very big and very defining at the same time, okay? Because that was a huge shift uh, for them theologically and what was going on uh, in the early church, all right? So God was using some, some big ways to speak. And I'm not saying that God doesn't do that now. I just don't often hear of trances. Um, then you get actual words. These are like words being spoken out loud. I've got a picture of Beth and me here. This was just taken last week. Uh, and <laughs> we've aged a bit since then. Uh, you can see why she fell in love with me, can't you? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> she said, you're very arrogant when she first met me, which I probably was. Um, and the reason I'm showing that is because actually, if you go back to about 18 months before, I was in my flat in the UK, and it's the only time I've ever heard the audible word of God in my life. And God literally out loud said to me, I was dating someone else, break up. I was like, that's strange. <laughs> um, long story short, because we're out of time, uh, I, I broke that relationship up. Three months later, that lady that I was actually dating and started to get a little bit more serious, she was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Now, thankfully, she survived. But I just know myself, I probably would have uh, proposed, got engaged, and married someone that God did not want me to marry. Okay, God had a different plan for my life. So God very powerfully spoke into my life, so I wouldn't miss it. All right, and it's, it's one of the most remarkable days of my journey with God. All right, but I'm ever grateful. I would never have met Beth. We wouldn't have Savannah and Reuben. We probably wouldn't be here, and you wouldn't even know us. <laughs> okay, uh, then there's visitations from angels. I, I did want to share a bit from a, from a book called Rain in the Dry Land um, by John Knight. Uh, this is a fantastic, exciting book. It's during uh, the Rhodesian Civil War. Um, he's a minister out there. He has the most incredible encounters with God. If you want to look at just God on the move and power, both in the prophetic and prophecy, but also just the miracles of God, um, read this book. I, I trust it because this gentleman, his brother, is actually the guy that gave, uh, helped give birth to me uh, in Salisbury, Rhodesia in 1977. All right? So I know the individual. I know his character. It's not just a random book. Um, there's a, the reason I, I, I put it there is there's a famous story during the war where these two guys went over this hill, came across the enemy, completely outnumbered, 200 to two, um, and they dived into a cave uh, and waited to die. Uh, later on, uh, they looked over the rock a few hours later, these 200 soldiers had run away, left all their kit. When one of them was, was captured, they interviewed them and said, why on earth did you run away? There were two people. And they said, what do you mean there were two people? We saw 200 people on the hill in white. And when they then looked back, they had 200 people praying for those two individuals from their home church while they were out on that exercise, all right? So for each individual praying, there was a guardian angel watching over their lives. Your prayers count, okay? You each have an angel watching over you. You really do. I honestly know this, all right? 
Um, so believe in the power of prayer, okay? Angels, don't make them the focus. Always make sure Christ is the focus, but angels haven't suddenly disappeared from the earth. They're still around, all right? And I know some of you have seen them before, okay? But I just want to remind you. All right, uh, then number 11, visitations from the Lord. This is Chris Vallotton. I don't know if you've come across him. Um, he's in Bethel Church. I really like this guy. Is he perfect? No. Does everything you say is totally true? No, he's, he's got his own faults, but he's a remarkable man. I really like him because he is out there on the front line. He influences things behind the scenes. He meets with presidents around this world. He meets with MPs. He meets with Congress people. And early in his life, he says that the Lord, he literally saw the Lord in a vision walk into his bathroom and say to him, you will prophesy over kings um, and you will impact nations. And if you look at his life and dig deep, you can see he's actually doing the very thing. And it was a powerful word because he was in a difficult place, but he's a nation changer. All right. So God, I do honestly believe that the Lord does visit people. Okay. I haven't met anyone personally that, that has, maybe you have. Okay. But the Lord could well turn up. Okay. And speak to you as well. All right, and then next one, there's a translation in place and time. I haven't got time to unpack this now because we're running short of time, okay? But in 2 Corinthians 12, um, it, 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 it talks about this. Um, God does move people, okay? He either he's, he's showing something uh, uh, through that as he's speaking to them, um, or I've actually heard of missionaries literally moving around the world without a plane. They walk out the door one minute, and one minute later, they're walking into the ministry area and God's through his own power. Think, you think, oh, that doesn't happen in the Bible. Just a few weeks ago, who were we reading about? Reading about the Ethiopian, weren't we? And who was that that suddenly got transported at the end of that story? Yes, Philip, okay? So it's biblical. It's hard to have faith for it sometimes, okay? But if you want to get to America a bit cheaper, maybe just ask God. Get me to university, forget the plane ride on Sunday. You won't go with your parents until you can just turn up to university. That would be a great way to start your university life. Okay, did anyone miss what's missing? I've shown all these wonderful, exciting things, but which one have I not mentioned? The Word of God. The Word of God. Okay, critical, absolutely critical. Uh, and um, we know this is true. It's the tension of the Spirit and the Word hand in hand. You walk into churches where it's all about the Word, it's amazing, it's wonderful teaching, but where's the Holy Spirit? It's dead as a duck. Okay, you walk into church, Holy Spirit's everywhere, everyone's talking in tongues, falling around, laughing, it's great. They never open the Bible, okay? It's a both and. It's not the one and the other, all right? They have to be held in tension, all right? Uh, but uh, in a minute, you're gonna, just going to get literally 60 seconds to have a go at doing this. We're going to use the Bible as a foundation to just make sure it's solid for you, all right? Um, we're going to encourage each other. Starting the journey for the, the prophetic for some of you. For others, you're amazing at this already, okay? But always go back to the Word of God. When someone speaks to you, just the next one, Patrick. Please jump over. Okay, just jump on again. Okay, you can't read this email. This email is from Phil Wilfuse, an old friend of ours, minister from the UK. Um, whenever we get a specific word of God, we always turn to our friends and those that hold us accountable to get their opinion as well. So don't just hear something. Someone might come up, I might say, hey, Hugh, uh, this week you're going to meet your future wife. She's going to hear, Hugh should just go away and just take that as fact. She's like, oh, let me pray that, let me go to God directly myself. Let me reach out to some friends. Let me get some background on this, okay? Uh, so you want to weigh up words. Joking aside, um, when we were leaving Zimbabwe, we were really struggling. We thought we would be in Zimbabwe for 10, 20 years. We didn't know if we should go uh, or stay. Uh, we had a number of friends pray for us, a number of prophetic words, and we got uh, friends to, to, to share and talk about that, okay? So you've got to make sure you don't just run off with these prophetic words 
and think it's gospel truth, all right? I've often found over the years prophetic words tend to be 60, 70% true sometimes, and there's a little bit of that individual in it. Does that make sense? And you have to watch your heart, like I started this preach with, and we're going to land it here. Um, you have to watch your heart and make sure that you're prophesying from, from a good place. So sometimes um, I prophesy to someone, and I think, I really don't want them to get married. I can tell they don't suit each other. And I'll pray for them, get a prophetic word, and I, I struggle to take that opinion out of what God is actually saying. Does that make sense? So be very weary of your own heart, okay? From your heart is the wellspring of life. Right, let's jump on, Patrick. Okay, finally, delivery. That's how you deliver a prophetic word, okay? You find a lectern, you stand up, you hold the Bible, okay? Uh, I don't like this, you get these flowers. Thus saith the Lord, okay? Thou shalt not steal, Patrick. <laughs> get on the floor and repent in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, all right? Um, I don't particularly resonate with that, okay? It doesn't need flowery words. Just say, I sense God saying this, and often I will say this, and I'm going to say this now as we finish, okay? Um, I sense God is saying this. I want you to, to weigh this up. I want you to go back to Scripture and see if it, if it lines up with Scripture. I want you to talk to your friends and those you trust. I want you to talk to your leaders in the church. Does that make sense? Okay, so we don't just give it as a complete package and saying, this is it, off you go. But I say this very carefully and very gently. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Right, let's stand up. Okay, we're going to um, just have a quick chance of, of just doing this for two minutes. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to get you to just pair off with someone. Okay, um, and I'm going to get one person uh, to have 30 seconds to just hear what God might be saying. You're going to get 30 seconds to share with them. And then we're going to swing it around and it's going to go the other way. Here's a few foundational things. I do not want anyone to give any directional words, okay? Maybe this is the whole church. I don't know everyone well enough, all right? So you're not going to say to them, resign, the Lord's going to revive, okay? Or you're going to be married this week or anything like that, okay? If you've never done this before and you're panicking, you're, oh my gosh, I can't believe Rory's doing this. Why did I come to church this morning? Um, this is scary, okay? Um, I want you just to think about your favorite scripture, okay, that comes to mind. Just, just think, okay, the Bible, what's something that comes to mind? God might take you suddenly um, to the end of Matthew, where God says, I'll be with you always, okay, or whatever it might be. So it's not directional, it's encouraging, it's uplifting, okay? It might just be, hey, I love the outfit you're wearing today, okay? It just, it, I just see such joy over you. Do you, see, do you see the difference, yeah? Okay, so it might be a bit of scripture, it might just be something that you see about them, okay? But I want it to be encouraging. So, you have 20 seconds to find someone you don't know or don't know very well, okay? You can't be with family, okay? And just, it can, it can, I don't mind guys, guys, girls, girls, they just stand, give a bit of distance because we haven't got masks on, okay? But close enough you can hear them, okay? You've got 20 seconds, 19 seconds, 18 seconds. Right, move around. Find someone you don't know, 18 seven seconds. So I'll, I'll narrate about a dream I had last night for women. Okay. Very specific. Yes, we'll do that. Yes, that'd be brilliant, yeah. Okay, 10 seconds to find someone. Monica, Emma, over here. Monica, Emma, here. Okay, five seconds to find someone. Two seconds to find someone. Right. Harriet needs someone here. Harriet, there's someone with you coming over here. You can be a three if you need to be. Right. So find someone. Put your hand up if you're by yourself still and you need someone. Okay. You can join a pair if you haven't got someone. Join a pair. 
Right, guys, here we go. So I'm going to pray for you. You're going to have 30 seconds to be quiet, and then you're going to share for 30 seconds. Here we go. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you're alive. I thank you that you still speak to us. I thank you for the, for the gift of the prophetic prophecy. I thank you for all that you've done through the Bible, um, all that you're doing today. You're a living God. You want to encourage us. We, we release the gift of the prophetic in our church, and we pray that everyone gets encouraged in some way this morning, okay? So I'm going to count 30 seconds, okay? Just be quiet, and you might just suddenly think of something random. Don't throw it out of your mind, okay? Twenty seconds. Ten. Okay, just be just encourage them. Think of something to encourage them, all right? Go for it. But be bold. This is a safe place. Off you go. Have a go. You've got thirty seconds to share with them. If nothing else, just tell them they're wearing a wonderful outfit. I've got 10 more seconds, so be quick. Three, two, one. Okay. Stop there. If you've got more, you can tell them after the service over coffee. Okay. Let's just pause. If the word that was just shared with you was encouraging, put your hand up really high. If that just encouraged you. Look around the church. Isn't that good? Yeah. Okay, I'm excited. I don't know if you are. Right. Okay, we're going to turn it over now. 30 seconds of being quiet. Okay? 30 seconds. It's the other person's turn. Just be quiet. Look at what they're wearing. Just think, just clear your mind. Alistair's group. 20 seconds. Ten seconds. Okay, All right, off you go. Encourage them. Ten more seconds. Okay. Pause there. Stay with your groups because we're going to finish in a minute. So you get a chance. You get a chance to carry on. I'm sure there's more to say to them. Right. Hands up. Second group. If you were encouraged by that word. Hands up if you're encouraged. Brilliant. Most of you. Okay. If you weren't encouraged, I need to come and talk to you. Okay. Right. Hands down. Um, Monica's got something to share quickly, guys. All right, and then we're going to close out, get coffee. I'm sorry we went on today, but I hope that was helpful. Right.